Hello everyone and welcome to Changing Conversations with me, Billy Burke. And me, Sarah Philp. We're really glad you've joined us on this podcast. This podcast is all about changing conversation. Conversation is one of the oldest ways to nurture the conditions for growth and improvement. We come alive when we talk about what's important to us and it's this that has the potential to guide us into new and different ways of being and offer the potential for great things. In this podcast, we want to explore the big questions and the small questions. It's a place for thinking and conversations that hold the potential for change. You will hear from us as well as some of our guests. We would love to hear from you and for you to get involved. You can also follow us on Twitter at Changing Conversations. Welcome to Changing Conversations and today we are joined by Kate Middleton, um, perhaps not the Kate Middleton that you are <laughs> um, currently thinking of, but I'm going to ask Kate to say hello and just tell us a little bit about herself. Hi Kate, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Um, okay, so yes, I am Kate Middleton, that is my married name. Um, but my author name, uh, so if anybody's read any of my books or knows of any of my books already, um, they will know me as KJ Walton. So that's actually, Walton is my um, my non-married name, so it's quite a nice way of keeping hold of it. Um, so I am a primary school teacher, um, currently in Cambridge at the moment, um, and I developed a passion for growth mindset I would say I think it was probably about 10 years ago which I can't actually believe because it doesn't really feel like that long ago but it is about 10 years and I have to say I think it's just as relevant if not more so at the moment um, currently uh, than it was 10 years ago and it was very relevant 10 years ago so um, I know it's probably become a bit of a buzzword um, and if people do know about it and have heard about it um, they might think it's um, maybe not as complex as it is because it can be boiled down quite a lot. Um, and I think that's where possibly it's lost some of its power um, along the way. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit disappointed to be honest that it's become this buzzword. It's a bit of a double-edged sword because when something is well known, um, it can be boiled down, like I say, but actually in terms of the essence of the theory, if you are um, working with, well with anybody, not just children, but particularly children in the educational arena, there has to be that edge of resilience, with, which is what um, growth mindset is all about. So tell us, you mentioned your books. Tell us what your books are. Okay, so I started um, with picture books for children. So I'm actually still, um, I've written my third one, which is not currently out yet, but the first one was called I Can't Do This. Mm -hmm. um, and it introduced the character Fortitude. Um, and in the first book, uh, he went on a journey to find the word yet. Um, the second book is called A Muddle of Mistakes. So that was focusing on um, the importance of making mistakes. And again, it's about the character Fortitude. Mm -hmm. um, and that really, I, I started writing those because I wanted a way of getting into talking about mindset with children. So I Can't Do This, which was the first book, actually started off as a simple word document of a story I wrote 
um, to read to children in my class at the time um, and to kind of dissect it a bit and what messages were, were in there. And that kind of helped to open up a conversation. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of a, a story behind how it then became a bigger thing because at that point I, you know, I was teaching and I wasn't an author at that point, but it was that book that kind of launched this author bit for me. Um, so having done those two books, um, I was I was within the classroom. I was on that journey, and I I could tell that people were starting to think about mindset within the classroom. And when I started on it, there was zilch out there there was nothing out there for um teachers to kind of pick up and work with and if you've read any of Dweck's work it is very much theory based and it's not kind of in a workable form or it wasn't at that point for uh, for children certainly um so I kind of realized that on this journey I had kind of been creating activities and things to do with children or ways to open up that conversation and to develop that culture of the, the ideas that are behind it within the classroom. Um, and that then led me on to producing uh, the book, which is about ideas uh, to produce the culture in the classroom uh, for Key Stage 2, which was called the, or is called the Mindset Melting Pot. Mm. Um, so, and that one actually, uh, because one of, I'd been on a course um, with Shirley Clark on assessment for learning. Um, and I knew that she was talking in her courses about um, mindset. So I, I contacted her and we actually did some work together thinking about it. And she offered um, to edit it for me. Mm -hmm. um, and she also wrote the foreword for that book as well. So she was an invaluable source to me. Um, so that was all very exciting. Um, but yeah, in terms of where I started, the actual uh, picture book, I Can't Do This, was basically, I wrote this story, and then two children in my class at the time who were um, very keen artists, and they used to go to clubs after school, and um, I had somebody, I was actually in a literacy coordinator, as it was then, um, in the school, and I'd organised um, a company to produce books, um, for book week with each of the classes so they sent them a story and then the idea was that the class would each produce a page illustration wise um, to put this book together and then this company would produce a book and then half of the money they were going to sell it to parents and half of the money would go um, to the school uh, actually no all the money went to the school um, so off the back of that because I put a lot of work their way just in the meeting that I had with the guy that ran the company um, he said, oh, I mentioned this storybook uh, or this story that I'd written. And he said, oh, well, if you can get some of the kids to illustrate that, then we could produce that. So I'm like, OK, so they produced 50 copies of it for free. Um, and then so I got these books and one of the parents of one of these girls came into the classroom and she actually was um, she put together. She was leading a charity that was for children that had lost limbs because her family had been in, involved in an accident where her daughter had lost her leg. Mm -hmm. So um, they were doing an art event and um, was holding it with the school. And she said to me, wow, the messages in this book are so relevant to the messages that we are trying to push within the charity. Do you think there's any way that we could sell these books um, and half the money would go to the school and then half the money would go to the charity? And I said, I had no plans for them at that point. So I said, yeah, that's fine. So I had this big event. But the, the interesting part of this story is that 
um, the auntie of the, the family that I'm talking about, mm. so this lady that was part of this charity, um, she was uh, the, the auntie to the child that was illustrating the book. She was Joanna Lumley. So she ah. <laughs> invited to this art event. So it was held in this barn and they'd had like um, a whole art week at school. So it was like a gallery in this barn down the road from the school. And then they asked if they could read this book and it was Joanna Lumley that read it. So um, I'm kind of standing in a barn watching my book, my story being read by Joanna Lumley. And there was uh, such a buzz and she was just lovely because she's someone that I've always admired and like that voice and reading yeah. was absolutely incredible. Um, and so we chatted afterwards and she was quite excited by it as well. And I suddenly started to feel like there's something here, there's, there's something going on here, um, which is basically why I thought I need to do try and do something with this and pursue it. So to cut quite a long story short, I um, basically tried to find an illustrator and it was going to cost me thousands and thousands of pounds, which I wasn't in the position to do. So I had a go myself and I've developed this style where I actually use um, an iPad with a stylus pen. Mm -hmm. um, and the illustration side for me is, is me developing my own passion. And um, it's my growth mindset all the time behind me and what I'm doing because I'm self-publishing. It has been, you know, things not working out, things making mistakes over things or it's not perfect first go or I can't find a way to do this or what am I going to do finding solutions so it is the development of my own growth mindset I think um, that has kind of led to where I am. Mm -hmm. And I know um, because I've had your books over the years I know the illustrations are beautiful and I know that so many people admire both the illustrations and the content of your book as well and to know that you self-publish and illustrate as well um well it's quite impressive <laughs> oh, thank you Sarah <laughs> um you have to be passionate to I mean because it's it's taken quite a lot you can imagine you know being um a teacher at the same time uh, you've got to have a passion for what you do um if you're going to drive something like that so that's that means a lot to me thank you very much <laughs> you're welcome and so what was it that drew you to mindset where did that start off for you and how did you okay so my head teacher at the time at this school that I've just been talking about um this was actually in Hertfordshire um she was quite keen um she'd heard something about mindset from somebody that she'd known in the past and she sat at the school, so she must have been there about a couple of years, I think, and was kind of looking around, thinking, what do we need to look at here? Um, and she said, she came to a staff meeting and she said, there's something that I really noticed, and that is if you talk to some of the children in the classes, you will either get um, a child that we recognise as being um, quite forthright and that I know everything, um, kind of top notch on the top of their pedestal sort of thing and they they know it but actually they're kind of sitting on their laurels and they're not producing what we think they're capable of so it's not that the challenge isn't there it's just they're not kind of showing us um, that they're meeting those challenges and then on the other side of things you've got children that are instantly um, turned off when they can't do something straight away I can't do this I'm stupid um, and it was you know two very extreme areas um, and from what she knew about mindset, she knew that those, she was starting to realize that those two categories kind of fitted into the fixed mindset in different ways. Mm -hmm. So 
she said, I think this is probably worth something. It's worth, something worth looking at. Um, and she basically bought us all a copy of Mindset over the, uh, the summer holidays. God bless her. It <laughs> <laughs> was very brave and said, can you go away and read this? Uh, which we all did. We were quite a small staff. It was a small village school. Um, I read it on the beach on holiday and I think it kind of sat in my head and I thought yeah that's interesting because I have a background in psychology um, and so I was quite interested in it anyway um, but it wasn't until I was having moments in my own life just having read that that I started to think oh that 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 was a bit fixed wasn't it in terms of what she was saying um, and it made such an impact that I just thought I started to think if that's having that kind of impact on me and I'm changing my behavior or, or noticing my thought pattern, what could that do for kids? Um, and that's what really, that was the first little, you know, nugget that really sent sort of a, a light bulb moment for me. Um, so yeah, we had this, this inset day when we got back where we all discussed the book and what we thought about it. And it was so bizarre. I've never had an inset day like it. Um, there were people in tears because they had children that they were recognizing you know things that as they were growing up they were having difficulties and they started to reflect on whether this all had something to do with it so it was quite emotional and I think it, it hit quite a lot of people quite hard um but I then she said right well, I don't know what I want to do with this but if I think it could be worth exploring so if you come up with any thoughts or ideas and we all kind of just started dabbling with it um and that that was the the opening for me really yeah I was just thinking as you were speaking that um as my subject as a teacher is mathematics uh -huh. so you you absolutely see the the different attitudes to learning maths and you know, in a secondary context, no doubt you still see it as a practitioner um, in primary school. So there's been a lot of work in Scotland around mathematical mindsets and such like. Yeah, so, Joe Baker. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we've heard how your your job as a teacher then inspired you or influenced you to become an author. So, but how does the the content of what you write about? How does mindset? How has that affected you as a teacher? massively actually probably if I thought about it more and more and more I think I'd probably come up with a million different reasons or, or ways but I think when I first started in it it was just at the time when uh, the learning without limits um, ideas were being talked about yeah. and I remember thinking um, okay this is all great stuff but actually if you want children to take more ownership over the challenges that they are um, taking on. So when, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about things like, you know, when we were kids, um, knowing that the the these children, this ability set, sit on this table and this table, is this they can do this. And, you know, you don't get told, but you all know where you're sitting. Um, and it was trying to get away from that within the classroom. So certainly when I started teaching, which is 12 years ago, um, that, kind of practice was still going on um, and I think we've moved such a long way from that um, but when it initially started coming into play that you know children can choose their own challenges because actually they might be at different places um, in you know whatever topic it is within maths or within English or whatever it is um, I was thinking okay that's fine but the children need to be able to manage that and 
I can't see at the moment how we're going to make sure that they're actually picking challenges that are not too hard or not too easy. And one of the things that I write about in um, the uh, Mindset Melting Pot is um, the use of a fried egg on the wall. So it's um, the idea is basically that if you are in your yummy yolk, you are in your comfort zone. So you're doing something that actually you're comfortable doing. Um, if you're in your wobbly white, it means that you are in your learning zone. So actually things are going to be a bit tricky. You are going to feel a bit nervous, maybe a bit anxious. You might be excited, which is great, but that's you're feeling unsure about it because it's not in your comfort zone. But that's actually where we want to be in terms of learning something new. Um, and then there's a, your frazzled crispy edge, um, which is maybe when you're uh, getting a little bit frustrated because maybe you need to take a step back and get into your, your wobbly white um, because you need to consolidate something. So that kind of idea, which is all, you know, stemmed within sort of these ideas of growth mindset and challenge, taking on challenges. It's a metaphor that allows children to kind of uh, going, going over to sort of the idea of visible learning, because I think that's what largely all this is about for me, is trying to make an abstract concept of learning more visible to children um, or ment mental images that, that, that help them to kind of self-regulate themselves. Um, so that I would say is, is an area that definitely impacted. Um, I think also for me, it highlighted um, that a massive problem in schools I think that we have is children's fear of getting things wrong and looking stupid in front of other people. Um, and I think that's a big thing uh, that it aims to tackle. And that's not to say that it's an easy fix because um, it's not an easy fix at all. And you're not going to fix that for all children all of the time. But it's about that culture that you set up within the classroom. Um, and I think it made me aware of my behaviour or kind of things that I was praising or the language that I was using. Um, and... And also, I think language and behaviour and what we're um, showing as our value system and what, what we think is important, um, I think is a massive thing. And actually, that's the problem with mindset is it's not simple. It is complex. And actually, it's the adults that drive it. So you, you can't say it's a matter of I've got these activities and I'm going to get you to do them. And then, then we've done mindset it's what you're living every day in the classroom and that value system that you're setting up um, mm. within the whole school. Yeah, we've we found it, it's really useful where teachers start from a perspective if they're going to engage properly with mindset, because uh, just before we started recording, you mentioned how it can be really watered down to a really simple um, concept and, and you need to engage more deeply. But where I have seen it have a positive impact on kids in a classroom, it's because the teacher has first engaged and understood mm. that they have a mindset as, you know, what it is to be a teacher, what it is to be a learner. Um, they have a mindset about, I suppose, if you think back to maybe the stage when our age group roughly would have been at school, there wouldn't have really been much conversation with young people about learning in and of itself. Exactly. It was just that idea of filling up the vessel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more and more knowledge. I'm kind of reminded about that at the moment. I'm sure you're engaged in, in this dialogue down south as well, that because children are missing out on some learning um, 
in some people's view because they're working remotely, then all we need to do is, is put them in school for longer hours or extra days to fill them back up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this all, that's the other thing that for me, particularly at the moment I said earlier that um, I think it's more, even more relevant now than it was 10 years ago, um, yeah. this whole mental health issue, because I think we've got, a, well, we all know that we've got strain on our mental health system. Um, and for children, I think there's some very serious issues there that, that need real attention. But for a lot of children, a big part of it, I think, is to do with how they feel about themselves and their self-worth. Yeah. And actually, if we can get these kind of ideals sort of instilled within the culture and then that will reflect within them, um, I think we could tackle some of the smaller issues um, because they have more self-worth. I actually, because I mean, I think this, the, the whole um, social media aspect as well, that they are in, have you know much more in their world than, than we did when we were younger. I think that's a massive, massive impact. And it's something that as a parent for me, you know, I'm very, very mindful of. And it's so difficult to kind of switch off as, um, you know, in, as a family, you are kind of guided a lot by, by your phones and your, your devices. Um, and I don't know, I'm still working through what the answer is to that. Um, but I think in terms of... Um, the mindset stuff I, I was I was listening to a podcast and Ricky Gervais said something about um how if we had a tick list for life um that worth would be up there that we'd want to be you know ticking that box as a really important thing but that somewhere along the line we've mixed up worth with narcissism mm-hmm. um and so yeah, children I mean my worry is is that children will get that sense of worth because of what they put on Instagram and the number of likes they get or whatever. Um, And we've got to get kids getting that self-worth. And I think that these kind of values start to drive that, that sense of, you know, finding your passions and working hard at something and getting that satisfaction. So I I do think it ties in a lot with that. I also think what you were talking about in terms of that fear of getting things wrong is not just the children in the system. I think it's the adults in the system as well. And it's that whole thing, isn't it? It's all of us that need to. And that's why it's a massive journey. And and it is very difficult. It's a big challenge getting it into schools successfully because getting everybody passionate, you know, because I am passionate about it but I'm me and I'm not the rest of the staff in the school that have their other passions and that, that's all equally as valuable. Um, but I mean, my, my feeling is, is that this is one of the foundational um, pillars that hold the rest of it up and you've got to get this right. Um, but yeah, there's so much going on in schools that actually sometimes this, this can get forgotten and not regarded as important. But particularly in primary school, you know, we, we are the people that are um, kind of, setting setting the scene for education thereafter so it is important that you get those values right early on yeah I think going back to what you were saying Sarah about um the adults it amazes me I I think it's it's quite concerning that I think our educational system and you probably feel the same about Scotland 
I think there is a lot of anxiety within the system um, because of all the, the expectations and particularly at the moment I mean we've had to switch how we're working and, and problem solve on the spot um, and it is massively anxiety building even if you don't realize how much anxiety is building because you're in it and you're dealing with it and you haven't got time to think about it yeah. I mean it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens when we all come out of this what what the the, the, um, the landscape looks like and how we're all feeling mm. because it, there are going to be changes I'm sure yeah well let's hope so <laughs> the right kind of changes <laughs> let's hope so <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess that kind of brings us on to your your latest book, so your fourth book, I believe, which is for the significant adults in children's lives. So thinking beyond the school in this one. And I know that when you decided to write it, you were not a parent. When you started writing it, you were pregnant. And when you finished it, you had a three-year-old. <laughs> so And four yesterday, and don't we know it? She keeps telling us. <laughs> <laughs> Very important when you're four. My niece is four, I get that all the time as well. Um, so I'm interested, what was your intention with this book and which is called Mindset Guardian and how has being a parent developed, enhanced, influenced your, your mm -hmm. mindset journey? Do you know, it's when I talk about this, um, it sounds ridiculous that I was writing a book intended for parents, not being a parent myself. <laughs> I get how ridiculous that sounds. But the, the angle that I was coming at it from was, as a teacher um, and driving mindset within a school, mm -hmm. there was a lot of talk about um, how we need to get to the parents. So I ran workshops for, for parents and there was a lot of chat about how we could get to parents sending out leaflets. Um, and I... that. I just felt that they that was an, a massively important group for us to get at because we can drive as much as we like in schools but if the children's value system is completely different at home and they're getting different messages it's actually very sort of destructive I guess to have you know confusing messages coming from different places um, and that's always been a stumbling block and I know I'm you know a, a one book a book is probably not going to solve every issue there um, but I wanted to produce something that kind of got at the intricacies of it. Um, and actually, from a selfish point of view, I wanted to kind of do the thinking and the research behind how I could get this into my parenting. So I actually I actually started writing it before I was pregnant, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and but then I became pregnant in, in the midst of it all. And I was writing up until the point that she popped into the world. And thought I had finished it at that point but then obviously she was born and then it just started to bring quite a bit more to it so I'm quite pleased in a way that I started writing it before I had her because I got down everything that from my educational perspective was important and I kind of had that subjective view but then once I had her obviously um it, I was much more involved and actually it also I remember when I first had her um, and trying to breastfeed and getting very frustrated and it just wasn't working for us. And I remember saying, I can't do this. And my husband just looked at me and I was like, don't say it, do not say it. <laughs> so actually my own mindset as a parent 
was um, really, really important. So it wasn't just about her, it was largely about me. Mm. Um, and it just has really altered, I don't know what I would have been like in terms of parenting had I not had all this knowledge behind me, but obviously being a teacher, education is um, important and it's a value that I hold. So I wanted to get this, this resilience and perseverance within her naturally so that you know it wasn't such a fight later on and the research that I was doing was basically was talking about how um from the age of one uh that a mindset a child's mindset can be set um five years later mm -hmm. um and I thought so the first year I was thinking okay so if, she, if this is not mattering it doesn't matter too much now this is about me and it's about training me and the way that I speak to her and the way I praise her um, because it is a, a, a it's a training um, but it is now so drilled into me that I would know I don't even the word clever to run off my tongue is actually difficult there's almost something in my brain <laughs> that doesn't want me to say it um, but I, I was also so my eyes were open so much to the groups and things that I was going to it is rife with clever girl, clever boy, giving stickers. And I just, it was all, I saw it all with very new eyes. Um, and I just thought, I, I have to get this out to people a different way of looking at things because it's so it's got ingrained within our society. Um, and it's not because we're doing anything wrong. We're doing what our parents did with us um, and also what's going on around us. But yeah there were certain things that I saw happening that I you know it just really grated on me. Mm. Were there any bits that were really like difficult for you to build a new habit around or did it? Um, I have to say uh, one of the things and this is still I'm still finding this quite tricky recently um, like we just said that she's four going on 14 sometimes <laughs> um, that's this whole idea of struggle and letting them struggle. And the other thing I probably should mention is that my daughter has a hemiplegia. So basically she's, um, it's almost like she had a mini stroke just before she was born. So she's, it's a mild form of cerebral palsy. So she's uh, weaker on one side. So I actually feel like actually this resilience is massively important for her. And actually some of that might naturally be built within her anyway, because she's got to find new ways of doing things. Yeah. Um, so what was your question? I've lost my thread. <laughs> Any bits that were difficult to, to overcome? Uh, so this idea struggle. of struggle, um, there are things that she struggles with, um, like for instance, holding a yogurt pot to eat her yogurt. Um, so there are moments when we're kind of a bit stiller, like in those moments where I think I need to let her, I need to step back and I need to let her explore this and try and find a way that works for her. Um, and then there are other moments where, you know, we'll be doing a puzzle or something and I'll go to do something and she's like, no, mummy, no, mummy. It's almost like she's had the training and not me. <laughs> and it's, it alerts me and I think, oh, and it's that, you know, but just being aware of it that actually I need to step back here. Um, and as you do it more, it becomes more of a natural thing. But there are some key things that I think you can really train yourself in. I think you do need to train yourself though as a parent because it's my daughter's seven and um I'm probably what we would call in, in Scottish terms a big safety when it <laughs> comes to her, you know. I, I don't want to see her struggle. There's a biological thing happens in my brain 
yeah. where you just want to put your arm around them, tell them that everything's okay and make life easy for them. And mm -hmm. like you, the educator in me understands that um, there's a long time game here, but it's not yeah. easy. It's like a fight going on in your head, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I don't, it's not as easy as saying that, you know, these, these practices and these things will just erase and you'll you'll do the the real growth mindset work all the time it's not like that but I think it's having that awareness and it's getting that balance right there are moments where they do just need a cuddle and you've got to just feel that as a parent and go with your instinct and I'm still learning that all the things that I am talking about I'm learning on the job I'm not um I'm not a parenting expert by any means and I've always been having written this book and you know in starting it I've, I have felt a little bit like, oh, well, I'm not an expert, so how can I write a parenting book? But we're all kind of winging it and learning on the job as parents. Um, yep. But I want to bring my the stuff that I know, the research that I've done and uh, the practicalities of this and how you can. And I, I'm kind of learning this and working it out and how you can bring it in. But that's where I felt I had something to share um, because... I know about this and I can see as an educator, I've seen how important those values and those skills are. And if there are things that we can do very easily um, to help children to gain that resilience and all it might take is a tweak of how we praise them, yeah. then I think that's worth sharing. <laughs> it's such an important concept. I, th I think there is no option for educators than to engage with it, Kate, because it can be uh, such a powerful, positive force for learning. It can also do a hell of a lot of harm to young people, you know, and we were talking to Professor Graham Donaldson last week, um, who's had a long and distinguished career in, in education. And he was thinking back to the 70s and 80s, which took me back to some classrooms that I, uh, you know, was part of and, and maybe the harm I saw done to other people where a glance, a word, um, a put down in front of peers from a teacher mm -hmm. can affect someone's outlook and mindset for life almost. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of my passion comes from, um, so my, I had an area in my life, like a subject, maths, um, that wasn't my strongest subject. I'm teaching it now and actually I remember my dad saying because he was um he was actually the deputy head at my secondary school um oh. and he was a maths teacher and I remember because I had to retake my GCSE because I did A level I had to retake my GCSE um and I remember an English teacher so I had to go out of her lesson to go and do my catch-up class and I remember her saying to me you're going you're redoing maths and your dad's a math teacher in this school and it just sat with me. Um, and it is, like you say, it's, he used to say to me, you're telling yourself that you can't do it. That is half of the problem. And that it's a kid, you, you know, you're like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever. But actually out of everything that I have done, cause like I got that grade that I needed and yeah. out of everything I've got, um, it is the most important one to me because it, it took the most effort. Um, but it is, it's, it's the mindset that you tell yourself, you write your own stories um, largely by the narrative that you are fed by things around you, particularly when you're young. And that can really set the scene for where you decide to go. And I think 
you know, I, I think there are things in my life that I have not done and I have not gone there because I was scared of failing and I wouldn't have seen it like that at the time. But I look back on it now and I think, I think there's, you know, your, your life almost takes or could take a completely different direction just because you're not yeah. believing in yourself that you can or at least it, give it. <laughs> well, you have fixed ideas, so you can't draw, for example. However, you've now proved to yourself that, that you can because you illustrate your own your own books. Yeah, I've, absolutely. And I, it's, it's, I just feel like children, if they had a different start in terms of their own beliefs, where on earth could they get to? They, they could fly. Um, and if I'd have had that kind of belief in myself earlier on, um, then perhaps I would be in a, a different place. But I would say it's, it's still demons that haunt me, but I, I feel that this, I think the mindset stuff, because I have those messages within my head, it helps to kind of drive me. Yeah, and it's, it's a lifelong process. But and I think, you know, that there's a, I get a sense of optimism from you, which I share actually, that practice in classrooms are, is so much better you know, than some oh, of the scenarios I've ever described. And mind whether it's um, intentional or not, but there is an awareness of how a young person's outlook, um, view on who they are as a learner, influences outcomes for them. Mm -hmm. so, so we're getting better at influencing that. I wonder what, what your view is on, on the connection with families, you know, in the wider community. Um, because what your parents tell you and, and what your friends tell you, that has an influence as well mm -hmm. um for, for example i mean we've, we've spoke about maths which is just a classic thing when it comes to mindset um every when first year arrive in my school so the, the first parents night that we have um as as head teacher i i stand up and, and amongst all the other things we tell them about um i talk to them about how and, and i do it flippantly how well i'm a maths teacher and you hear the groan <laughs> let, let just let that happen and then I, I say look, I just want to do a quick quick test right put put your hand up if uh, you're not very good at maths and <laughs> two-thirds of the room sometimes more put their hand up and uh, and then you say well okay now can you put your hand up if you're not very good at reading nobody puts their hand up mm -hmm. um, and it's so that's my way in to tell them about mindset and just belief and how it is we, we send that message comes through to young people that actually it's okay not to be good at maths because it's hard and everybody's not good at it i suppose <laughs> that's that's one example for me that it's so important to engage with families so how, how has your work led your thinking in that area um well one of the things this kind of links to what you've just said i have i remember standing and this has happened on more than one occasion, but one really sticks out in my head of a girl that was in my class and her mum standing at the, the classroom door with her saying something. I think she was talking about her maths homework or something. And she said, well, you see, I was never any any good at maths. Um, and I'm just starting to cringe inside because it's, you know, she's standing, the daughter is standing next to her. And basically she's saying that it's all right that um, she doesn't um, get it because actually I wasn't good at maths either and it's just a seed that's being sown so I I have basically been doing workshops um, with parents over the years 
Um, and actually some of the, because I've got some anecdotes in the parenting book um, from various parents. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one. Um, I think we have to gently educate them because I'm very mindful about not throwing it in people's faces because some people really get underneath it or interested in it. Um, and some people do the whole rolling the eyes, all growth mindset. So I think you have to you have to play it um, a little bit gentle. Um, but at the same time, you want you need it to have visibility. Um, so it's you know, we have it on our website and we it's within our we have a policy about things that we will do um, or things that, you know, we'll avoid saying or whatever. Um, we have mind sometimes we have some mindset days so for example um, I've been thinking about um, a muck up day or a mess up day where teachers um, kind of share their own um, failures or mistakes over things and kind of get that culture going because it's largely it's going to come from the kids that's why you've kind of got to grab them and maybe be a little bit gimmicky with it um, but you want them to start talking about it at home and, and something I have done um, we're not doing it at the moment I'm kind of giving it a break at the moment um, but we have done something called mindset twitter where basically all the children have um, uh, in the classroom on a board they've got like a laminated card with their name on um, and the idea is this that having done you know some work into mindset and what it's all about um, is that they find something that has happened over the week that fits into the ideals of mindset so it could be that I, I'm as a teacher, I would say, right, we're, we're looking for the best mistake you've made this week or the feedback that you've had that you've worked on and you've learned something or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then we do at the end of the week, I'll pick maybe um, five ones that I really like and then I'll read them out without telling them who's written what and the children vote on one. And then that person takes home like this mindset journal and I've managed to find some like cuddly brain cells, neurons. Um, so they take that home with them and they take this sort of mindset journal with them. And it's got messages within the journal to explain to the parents why they, they brought it home. So it's kind of trying to subliminally get to them and they have to find something um, over the weekend that's happened in their family that kind of fits the mindset ideals. So the idea is to hopefully get the family talking about it or the brother and sister might, you know, I've had things like my brother um, was saying he couldn't do his homework. And so I, you know, went and talked to him about mindset. Um, so, yeah, you're trying to get subliminally to the families um, through something like that. Um, but it is very difficult, which is largely why I have written the book. Um, and originally when I, I started it, I didn't really intend it to be as as big as it became um but I have realized in my own journey of doing it that it's very difficult to condense it uh to make it valuable um and I'm hoping that you know you talked about the illustrations of Sarah earlier that a lot of what I do is trying to make it visible so like I was saying earlier about a con the concept of learning is abstract and trying to make it a bit fun um, and so hopefully that kind of helps to kind of get the messages across a bit. But I don't think I think it's valuable to have it. It's part of my journey as well. I try to get my own journey within there as well as the messages. Um, and it was very difficult to kind of distill that um, and not not get the key messages um, within it. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it, Kate, as an oh, educator, <laughs> educator and as a parent. I think I need it. Thank mm -hmm. you.
So we have three final questions for you. These are our questions that we ask all of our guests. So the first one is, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Well, I was thinking about this. I think the first thing that I wanted to be was an actress. So I had a very sort of dramery kind of background, but that then progressed into um, drama therapy. Um, so I didn't ever, I, I kind of explored it, but I was told at the time that um, they didn't take anybody on their courses until you were at least 26 because you needed to have a bit of life experience. And I wasn't 26 at that point. <laughs> so I think those were my first two kind of ideas. Mm. And was author ever part of that? No, it wasn't. I mean, it's it has it's all happened by accident. I've always loved writing. Um, and I actually, before I was a teacher, I was in marketing um, and I used to put copy together for various things. Um, and at that point, I kind of knew that I wanted to harness the writing in some way, but I had no idea when or how it was going to happen. And I then went into teaching. So I obviously at that point didn't think it was ever going to happen. So it's amazing how because I, I think for a long time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I almost beat myself up over that, that everyone knows what they want to do, except me. Um, but it just kind of goes to show you that everything comes together because I did um, psychology at university. I was into drama um, and I enjoyed the writing and it all just seems to have come together with the teaching and the, the author bit. So mm. it all works out in the end. <laughs> it's part of the journey. <laughs> yeah. um, you enjoy writing, so you probably enjoy reading as well. So the second question is to ask you what you are reading at the moment. Well, um, I actually do list because my husband laughed at this that I had to say what I was reading because he he laughs at because he doesn't think I do I do actually read because I'm always listening to things. I listen to Audible and mm -hmm. but I am I have got two books that I kind of dipping into at the moment. Um, one of them is Untamed um, by Glennon Doyle. Um, and then the other one uh, was, um, I think it's called Speak Your Truth by Fern Cotton. Um, so you can kind of tell they're a similar sort of ilk, the sorts of things I'm interested in. I actually read more non-fiction than fiction. So um, every year, my one of my New Year's resolutions is to read more fiction. <laughs> but somehow I get, I get sucked into these other books. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be of a similar ilk, Sarah. <laughs> yes, I think so. Um, and lastly, do you have a quote or message that you would like to leave our listeners with? Yes, I mean, there is one that I've actually got two. Can I cheat a little bit? Um, because one that I, it was actually last year, beginning of last year, I thought this is going to be my, my thing for the year, my quote for the year that I'm going to tell myself. And that is basically to strive for progress over perfection. Because um, we haven't even talked about perfection in terms of children, um, but I think perfectionism is a very dangerous area which I think growth mindset, you know, tries to, to hone some of those skills that go or to kind of battle against perfectionism. So that is one, but um, I have actually picked another one, which is from a gorgeous book, which you probably know called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The, the Horse. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually, it's one of those books that I read and think, oh, I wish I'd done that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so the one I've chosen is, when have you been at your strongest, asked the boy, when I have dared to show my weakness? So that, yeah, that's another area of vulnerability, which I think is related to mindset, showing your vulnerabilities and your weaknesses, which is actually, I think, a very brave and courageous thing to do. And I try to do more of it, but that's quite a hard thing to do. Mm, it is a hard thing to do, but definitely something I think we need more of in yeah. the world of education. It's a bit more vulnerability, a bit more risk and definitely more progress over perfection. Thank you again, Katie. It's been lovely. You're very welcome. Thank you ever so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening, folks. We really value you taking the time and space to join us. And we hope that you take something positive from it. We'd love to hear your reflections. So please get involved via Twitter or contact us directly by email. Thanks again, stay safe and take good care.